This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, December 9th, 2021, and my guest is the excellent Nick Gray of Fandroid yet again. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. Thank you for having me on again. Fantastic. I'm excited to have you on because we're going to do the five top five tech things that we've decided are the best tech things of the year. Not just phones, because I did that with Daniel Bader two weeks ago. And uh, that was a tough one for me. So do you want to start? Do you have, do you have them ordered in a specific order? I don't have them in a specific order. When you asked me to pull this list together, it took me a short while to realize what my top five gadgets for the year were going to be. I do have one. <laughs> I do have one phone on the list just because. Um, well, me too. We have to. But yeah, I, it took me a while just to take a step back and say, you know, what were the things I was most excited about this year and the, the devices that I've played with and also devices I haven't played with yet. So you want me to go ahead and get started? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so one of the things that's on my list, uh, and I think it's on a lot of people's list, is the Nothing Ear One earbuds, because okay. there was a lot of hype around these products. They came out initially, and they had some flaws with the early units that were sent to us reviewers, but the retail versions that were sent out right after that were superb. And for those who don't know, it's just a pair of wireless earbuds, but nothing was founded by Carl Pei, who used to be at OnePlus, and stepped away to found this new company. And these earbuds are transparent or translucent, however you want to say it. They're clear. You can actually see the innards of the charging case and also of the earbuds as well. And I'm showing it right now. Yeah, they're they're gorgeous. And like unlike a lot of other earbuds that are out there that are just trying to be iPod copycats, these are trying to do something different. And the great thing about it, they're a hundred bucks and they offer wireless charging in the case and also active noise cancellation for the earbuds themselves. It's hard to come by for that price. Yeah, that's the thing, right? To me, those are the two things that really stand out with them is that not only are they design-wise superb. Mm-hmm. And they're comfortable too. It's not like design at the price of usability. But on top of that, God, $99 for wireless charging and relatively decent active noise canceling on top mm-hmm. of that. Win all around. Win all the way around. So those are on my list as far as earbuds go. They're a great stocking, stocking stuffer if you're looking for somebody to give them some earbuds. Uh, buy these instead of the AirPods. Indeed. Other item on my list. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, unless you wanted to go. I'm going to do one now. Can I do one? No, I'm going to just take over. Okay, we're not going to do a top five because you didn't do a top five. So I'm going to do again randomly, but I'm going to try to match you. So you said audio. I've got an audio product for you. It's kind of predictable, but I still think it just rules the roost. And that's the Sony WH-1000XM4, which are, as you know, the best noise canceling headphones on the planet. So They would have been on my list too, except I've been using so many headphones that I kind of forgot about them. They've just, <laughs> I, I've just circled through so many different over-ear headphones these, this year that it, they I do take them on all of my travel trips though. So I, there's something to say about that. 
Yeah, I was kind of wearing them on the plane when I was making my list. I, I just flew back from San Diego where I, where I drove the uh, Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is their uh, all-battery EV. And I can't talk about the driving impressions publicly, but I can talk about the design and stuff, and I loved it. But on the plane, I was like, okay, five things. And I made the list, and I'm like, these headphones, like, you know, they're not exciting, but they are so good. And then I'm like, wait, did they come out this year or last year? You know, because it's just like, there's just in some yeah. way so generic, right? Mm -hmm. So part of our tech fabric. But I cannot stress how Sony's always nailing it and continues to. And, you know, yet we got new Boses this year and we got the Apple AirPods uh, Max. But that was last year, I guess. But the point is, you know, even with all that, I still think they're a winner. And they keep getting better. And then, of course, if you want earbuds, they have the WF-1000XM4, which are expensive as F. But man, if you want good noise canceling on a pair of earbuds and absolutely superb mm -hmm. sonics, there you go. I mean, again, the ear ones, 100% behind them. I love the way they sound. That's the other thing. They sound great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do think Sony nailed it with their, their headphones, uh, except the design is getting a little bit dated. I'm hoping for the next yes. iteration, they go back to square one and completely redesign them and give us something that really stands out. Because if you're paying that much for over-ear headphones, like Apple's, they stand out. You can recognize those in a crowd, and it's kind of hard to recognize this generic piece of plastic that Sony's been giving us. True, but at the same time, they are kind of iconic now. Like you see them because they haven't changed since the two, right? Two, three, four. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially, there's minor yeah. changes. There's minor but tweaks. But I yeah. think that's why it works, right? Because now you're getting on an airplane, you're like, oh, you're a Sony, you're a Sony girl. Okay, cool. The, the one thing though is they have their cheaper over ear headphones. The, have you tried them? The tier down, you know, starting at you know the one ninety nine price point, and I think those look so much better. They have a more unique look and feel to them and they stand out just a little bit more as far as the look goes. Okay. And uh, they're not as comfortable, though. The The ones you said are definitely a lot more comfortable. But the cheaper ones, actually, for me, just have a more unique look uh, that kind of stands out a little bit more. But, you know, everyone likes different different designs. So we'll let, we'll let everybody judge for themselves. All right. So we've done the audio, I think. I doubt, I mean, I've made sure that we had a, for, for me, that I had a thing in each category, each different category that, that mattered. Um, what's your next thing? Uh, my next thing on my list is a, an extreme want, and I'm probably never going to buy it. It's the new DJI Mavic 3 Cinna, which is yeah. their brand new drone. Um, <laughs> two cameras on it with the ultra wide and the zoom and improved battery life, improved dynamic range. Uh, I think the recording now is in 5k and it's just incredible i would have zero time to fly it i have zero places to fly it but i definitely want it i don't know if i'm actually going to get it uh, but if if you love flying drones this is something you need to spend your money on if you have the money to do it it's over four thousand dollars it's insane but i'm sure it delivers 100 i thought about adding a dji i, I was looking at the the new mavic instead Mm -hmm. but uh, Mavic Mini, whatever, the second gen. But, you know, it's not hugely different from the first gen, so, yep. you know. 
basically it's just you know if you buy a drone that's 250 grams and 400 dollars you you probably want to buy the new one just because it's slightly improved so mm-hmm. it's not as radically a you know a milestone i think as the the one you you picked the three so yeah all right let me see i had i had a really hard time picking something in that kind of imaging uh slash drone slash camera world it's tough because there's always so much good stuff like you know some of it is so inaccessible like the sony alpha 7 the new one right i could pick that but i chose to pick the gopro hero 10 black simply because it's gone so good like i actually looked at some footage like you know a lot of my car colleagues that you know do car videos while i'm taking notes about what I'm going to write about. They're using GoPros on everything. And man, I was, you know, I've always kind of dismissed GoPros. Like they work, they do their job, they're wide angle, they're stabilized and they get you the footage you need. But Mm -hmm. man, I looked at that and I was just like, are you kidding me? This is like, they're obviously using some computational stuff now. Like it's incredible. Yeah, the you video know? quality you get out of them is by far the best for anything in that category. I mean, DJI is playing in that category as well, but I think the uh, GoPros still come out ahead by a long shot. Uh, they are getting pretty expensive, though. They keep getting, with every iteration, they just yeah. keep going up and up and up in price. But the good thing is they're using larger and larger sensors over the years. Uh, it used and to they're be, integrating more features, right? Now yeah. they have LCD in the front and in the back, like it's everything. Yeah. My, my only gripe is that they still continue to make it so that, hey, if you want to get an add-on, you have to buy this other package case and this special holder instead of actually just giving you ports on the side where you can plug things in and actually make them work. If you want you yeah. know, a, a real microphone, uh, you have to buy their XX accessory pack bundle thing uh and then you're kind of locked into you know their specific uh holders in order to you know use it and mount it uh which is kind of disappointing that's one thing i do like about what dji's been doing with with theirs is making them more modular as far as plugging in your own accessories but i i do think the black magic newer one is incredible i got a chance to play with it for a couple of minutes and yeah as you yeah. said the video quality is superb I was just blown away. And, and I, you know, I mean, there, again, I, my gut, you know, camera was imaging was going to be a category and I couldn't take a phone because I'm going to have a phone in there already. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what do I talk about? Like, you know, there's so many good things, right? Like the, the, the Sony ZV-10, right? There's, there's a whole bunch of choices here. It would probably have to be a Sony of some kind, although some Fujis have come out this year that are really great. But I was like, you know what? I think this is the biggest jump I've seen in a long time. Mm. And it's uh, it's expensive, but I think if you want the best and you want something rugged and, you know, that's part of an ecosystem, there you go. Yeah, I'm going to have to break down and buy one sooner or later. <laughs> uh, it'll be, what, you'll be able to buy like six or seven of them for the price of that DJI drone? Uh, I mean... No, maybe like four or five of them, but how much are they anyway? They're like five hundred bucks. They're like yeah, four, plus the accessories. Yeah. yeah, and once you get the accessories and everything else, you're you're looking uh, a little bit over that. So uh, they're Oof. still they're still pretty expensive, but I mean, for the quality of the video that you're going to get, you're not going to find anything that's going to be a direct replacement or a direct competitor to it. Um, the, the only no. downside is yeah, you know, it's not a downside. Our smartphone cameras 
can do probably just as good video and honestly better video in certain situations just because you have the multiple lenses. Uh, yes. So don't say, oh, I need to buy a GoPro in order to record video. Just use your darn phone. And, you know, with the ultra wide cameras, the regular camera, and even if you have a zoom, you have so much more flexibility than what the, the GoPro gives you. 100%. I use my Galaxy S21 Ultra, the ultra stable mode, uh, that ultra wide that's cropped down mm -hmm. uh, to shoot in-car video. So I always do an in-car video every time I drive a new car, just in case I want to make a YouTube video out of it or whatever. I, I'm Because my YouTube editing queue is, is insanely behind, I haven't managed to put any of those up, so it's irrelevant now. But the point is, I've been using the S21 Ultra for that, and it's fantastic. It's some of the best in-car footage I've had mm -hmm. because it does high dynamic range, you know, on the, on the, even though it, it records a standard dynamic range, it, it like somehow managed to get the brightness outside and the brightness inside to kind of level up uh, yep. evenly. It's which most cameras are just either blinded by the road or, or, or blinded by the, you know, dashboard or whatever. It's, it's a pain in the butt. So I appreciate that about it. And uh, if it falls, you know, it's in a case and it's not going to, it's going to fall inside. I wouldn't mount a phone on the outside of a car on a suction mount though. That that's, I draw the line. I'm sorry. That's a bit weird. Though I have done it before. I have, oh boy. I have done it at CES maybe like four or five years ago. It's uh scary as hell, but uh, it got some good video. So I bet. Yeah. I, I, I guess we have enough phones floating around. <laughs> we could probably afford to lose one. I got a couple extras. Yeah, exactly. And if it falls off, it's got GPS tracking on it, so I can find it on the road. Oh, convenient. <laughs> yes. Uh, good point. And also, you can find my phone, too, like, uh, yeah. and make it beep. So what is your third? Or, yeah. So I'm actually staying within the imaging category here, and Ooh. I'm going to say the Sony a 7 And uh, That was one of my thoughts that I would pick, yeah. yeah. And this is not a device that's on the list because it's, an amazing camera because Sony has their other lines within the A7 family that uh, shoot better photos and shoot better videos. But this is the everyman camera that can do anything. And I am currently with my video that I'm we're on the video call right now. I'm using my A7 III that I've had for two and a half years now. And I've been waiting for the upgrade for this camera for a long time. It's on my list. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it within the next couple of weeks or wait until the new year. I don't know, taxes are due soon, so maybe I need a tax deduction, who knows. Um, but it, upgraded camera sensors, better dynamic range, and one of the things for me as someone who records their own video, a flip out screen. I mean, come on, yes. Sony, you finally did it. I know, you finally did it. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the one thing that annoys me the most about my a7 III is that in any time I want to record video of myself, I have to connect the app, which is over Wi-Fi, which is futzy as hell and doesn't connect sometimes or takes forever to connect. And I can't see myself to frame the shot properly. Just having a flip out screen is the best thing you can ever do on a, on a DSLR like this for people who do video. So I'm glad that's there. It's definitely on my must buy list just because this, I, I use this camera here that I, the a7 III, I probably shoot 10 hours a week on it, depending on what I'm doing with different podcasts, but video recordings as well. So definitely something that's going to be a workhorse for me. I mean, you look at fantastic right now. Like I am on a decent quality Logitech webcam and very low light, unfortunately, because it's evening here, but I should up my game. 
But I'm not sure I'm willing to spend money on getting an Alpha 7 just for that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I think we talked we about- use it, it for other things, right? You don't have it permanently mounted. No, I don't have it permanently mounted. But I think we talked about this uh, one other time. I used to, I still do sometimes. I use the Erian app, which turns your smartphone camera into right. a webcam you wirelessly. You did it last time, I think. Yeah. And so I, I use that a lot of times uh, with the Galaxy S21 Ultra and use the main camera on the Galaxy S21 Ultra. I put it in a selfie stick stand and set that up. And it, the latency between what you actually get is incredibly low. Uh, most people can't even tell that there is any latency between it, even though it's doing a wireless transfer to your computer, but it's incredible. And honestly, that's probably the best upgrade you can do for a webcam for your computer if you don't want to spend, you know, $2,000 on a DSLR. I think it's time for me to do it. I have enough smartphones floating around. I want to actually briefly interrupt the podcast for a PSA because I think a lot of my audience doesn't actually listen to the podcast all the way to the end because at the end it gets boring. There's all the sponsor stuff, but look, folks, we need more Patreons. Why are we talking about video right now? Because Nick and I are doing a video version of this podcast, and you can only get it on Patreon. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for Patreon. There's a tier that gives you the video, and you get it two days before the audio version. You'll get it like tonight or tomorrow morning, and it'll be on video, uh, and you can see how clear his face is with Alpha 7. <laughs> You can see right. see all my pores on my face. I know. Face. It's amazing. But the point is patreon.com slash TNKGRL. That's patreon.com slash tankgirl. There's also a Discord server you can join to chat with me. So what are you waiting for? And then, you know, listen to the podcast till the end because, you know, my guests get to plug their websites and stuff and I get to plug my stuff. There's YouTube channels you should be watching if you don't know, etc. So I just want to put that here because I think a lot of you are not really tuning in all the way and I don't blame you. At the same time, I can use your help. It's always nice to get a way to monetize this show. I don't make money on this show. It's a labor of love. I just break even. So any little bit helps. Even if it just gets me a cup of coffee, which I picked up on my way back from the airport <laughs> before the coffee shop closed. Anyway, back to the item. So I picked a third item, and that's the Nintendo Switch OLED. And I just want to preface this. I don't have one but I've seen it. And I think it's not so much that it's a new thing. I'm not sure they made an OLED version. It's better. But I feel like Nintendo has just nailed this product. As somebody who used to work in video games and make video games for like the Wii and other Nintendo products. By the way, I said Wii last week on the podcast wanting to when I was talking about the Switch, just correction. <laughs> but the point is, I always get those two confused. I don't know why. Switch is so different. But I feel like Nintendo, I just thought it was going to be a fad. Like I thought like the Switch is nice, it's great, but I thought it was going to be like the PlayStation Vita, you know, or the PSP. That was just going to come and be mm -hmm. there for a couple of years and go, but this thing is just everlasting and it's just huge. And then they made a better version now. I'm just so excited about it. Yeah, I think I th I think the Nintendo really nailed it this time. This is what actually saved the company for what? The third time, third time the company need, needed <laughs> yes. saving. You think they would learn? But. Uh, I mean, they do when they go back to their core, right? Like, let's just make fun games and a cool console that everybody's going to love. Um, it's not about the specs. It's not about pushing polygons and all of that. It's about a fun, engaging experience. And that's exactly what the Switch delivers. And with the OLED version, you get 
a larger display, an OLED display, a much better experience uh, without sacrificing the size. Because if 100%. you have the original one, you know how thick those bezels are all the way around. They honestly could have done even better uh, based off of all the smartphones that we're using these days. They could have done you know an extra half inch or a quarter inch in there at least. Um, but I, I think it's a great product. I personally don't own one. Um, I don't have time to play video games. And when I do, I'm just playing them on my smartphone anyways. But um, right. yeah, I, I might have to break down one of these days and get them for my girls because they've been asking for them for a long time. I, I think it's fantastic. And the, the, the mostly because the games are so good. And uh, again, I don't play them, but I've seen other people play them. And I'm you know, tuned in enough to the video game industry as somebody who worked in it that I'm keeping track of these things. And I'm just very impressed. So again, spec-wise, yeah, there's nothing special there. But did the OLED one technically come out in 2021, though? I, I think, think it, did. it did. I can't yes. remember the exact launch date, but we'll, but give, let's just we'll give it a pass. We'll give it a pass. Yeah, we'll give it, it a didn't. pass. All right, what's your fourth? Fourth one on my list is this little guy right here, even though he's not very little. Um, Miriam here is looking at my Pixel 6. And That's right. I have yet to do a review of this phone. I have my Pixel 6 and my Pixel 6 Pro right here side by side. It should be coming within the next week or so. I've, I've, I wanted to do a long-term review rather than just rushing something out right at the beginning. But for what you pick the same colors as me oh, i have the the white for the pro oh you're right no that's a different one i've got the the coral or whatever the coral but i have the green i have the, the green, green one, one like yeah. this of the six yeah yeah. the green one is the better color you should get the green one that's 100 that's what you should do i i a lot of people opted for the pro just because it has more features it has a slightly larger battery larger display um, but I honestly think the six is the better smartphone for most people. Not everybody needs the pro. I think most people will be just happy with the six. Its performance is incredible. Its display, even though it's not 120 Hertz is still incredible. I like the fact that it doesn't have the curved display and with the curved edges, yeah. which makes typing so much better. The camera is absolutely phenomenal. And even though you're missing the 4X zoom that's on the Pro, uh, which is an, ex an exceptional zoom camera, you still have digital zoom on here that's really, Super. really good. And then that selfie camera, you honestly can't beat the selfie camera on this phone. And all around, for 600 bucks, Google nailed it on the head they they hit this out of the park and if anyone's looking for a new smartphone and typically you're looking at a mid-range device at the 600 dollars price point this phone has yeah. for 600 there are no compromises for 600 this delivers everything that you would want in a flagship tier device that's not going you know within that ultra or the pro segment and spending a thousand or thirteen hundred bucks and even compared to those this would be half the price of a lot of pro versions and it really delivers on the experience you know i agree a hundred percent and i feel like the out one plus one plus the old one plus the out one plus the galaxy fan edition even possibly this year's that's coming still mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's impossible to get a better phone for this money. Compare this to the Moto Edge 2021 we both reviewed. Yes. I reviewed it for Geekspin. You reviewed it recently on Fandroid. It's like, what the... That phone is ridiculous for it's, the money. It's $50 less than the Pixel 
and it is it's a complete mess it's inferior in every way besides the spec that it has a 108 megapixel main camera but that camera sensor is not as good as what google's using here and their and their photography algorithms are nowhere close to what google's giving us 100 percent. yeah i've ranted in enough about this phone that i don't want to continue we're going to talk about another moto soon that hopefully fixes all that and maybe comes to the US. But anyway, I want to pick my number four for you. And guess what? It's the Pixel 6. Woohoo! Yeah. So that makes it a double win. Well, look, it's impossible not to pick it. Like, I'm on a Pixel 6 Pro because I want more real estate. And I don't like the curved screen, but I want more real estate. I want, you know, um, the telephoto. But I think people should buy the 6. And I'll tell you another reason people should buy the 6. The dirty little secret that Google messed up this year the one thing that's really annoying me about my pixel 6 pro but it's not a problem on the pixel 6 is that you know the super res zoom that's super awesome on the pixel 6 Mm -hmm. you know how it does that on the telephoto of the pixel 6 pro as well right yep so far so good right next time you get a chance to try to play with your pixel 6 pro zoom in to 3.9 x it doesn't do super res zoom on the main sensor on the pixel pro Oh, really? What you get at 3.9x is garbage. A digital crop? Correct. And I can't figure out why. I think if the software update, they will probably do it. But what the hell is the reason for them not doing super resume between 1x or 1.1x and 3.9x just before you hit the telephoto? It doesn't make any sense. Especially, here's the kicker, when in low light... The telephoto on the 6 Pro doesn't kick in until 7X. Mm-hmm. So they're still doing crappy, crappy, crappy. <laughs> Should yeah. I totally quote myself on that? Crappy, crappy, crappy. With the, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Even if you zoom to 2X, compare it to a native 2X camera, like say an iPhone that has a 2X telephoto, like an older one. And it's just garbage. I'm serious. It's bad. Maybe. So I will say I actually like the 2X on the Pro because I've used it quite a really? bit because the the disparity between 1X and 4X is a lot. And sometimes you, you need but it. But my point is, do the 2X on the 6. I, I've used it on the Pro and I love it. I love it. So maybe there, I don't know, maybe there's some software issues with your device. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of software issues with this phone. They haven't They haven't nailed that for sure. I would suggest... Grab your 6, take a 2x photo, grab your 6 Pro. I haven't done a, a side-by-side comparison. And compare them? Yeah. That's going to be, I'm, I'm giving you a video, Nick. Seriously, nobody's talking about this. I don't have time. And, of course, on the podcast, I've talked, the second time I've talked about it now. The person who tuned me onto this was Steve Litchfield, who is a UK-based tech journalist who's been doing imaging stuff on phones forever. He's been around since the early 2000s, so he's been around for a while. And we were tweeting and he's like, did you notice this? And I'm like, no. And, and I'm like, I don't believe you. You know, I was in denial about it. I'll take a look. I tried it out. You don't have to go up the high, as high as 3.9. You just go 2X, compare with the 6 at 2X in good light. Like try it in good light first. Don't, don't let low light influence yeah. you. And you'll be blown away. It's disappointing. But uh, look, you solve all this by buying the six anyway, since yeah. you recommend the six. So whatever. Just go with six. You don't you don't have any issues there. So now there's no reason Google won't fix this, but right now I think we need to make more noise so Google fixes it. 
And why they didn't implement it, I don't know. There's no technical reason they shouldn't. So it's just weird. It's just laziness or whatever. Or again, it could be fixed in a future software upgrade. Maybe it's been fixed now, but I did shoot again at 2X recently and it wasn't as good. Like I shoot at 2X on my Galaxy S21 Ultra all the time, which as you know, is also not super res zoom, but it's better because you got more pixels to play with in good light. So mm -hmm. I don't know. What's your number one? So this one technically is a, well, is it a 2020 product? I don't know. I'm going to we'll say it anyways. It the Nest Hub second gen with sleep sensing. Okay. Because I am... I wasn't expecting that. No, I don't think anybody was. So I am somebody who I love to run. I love all my biometric data. I love having my heartbeat tracking and my step counting and all that data, except I, for the life of me, cannot sleep with a smartwatch on. And so I have tried for years you were wearing different fitness wearables and fitness trackers in order to track my data as well while i sleep right. and it's been impossible for me because i get completely annoyed and after using a device for three nights i throw it in my side you toss it across the room and right. I, I just don't have my sleep data the nest hub with sleep sensing is a godsend for me like from day one just being able to track my sleeping and me not having to think about it at all as far as wearing a device it's simply there on my bedside it tracks my breathing patterns it knows when i cough or snore in the night it tells me when i'm restless um and it's, how does it, it do that it just sits there it just sits there it has it has the same lidar sensor that was in the pixel 4 on Soli. Or the ah. Soli LiDAR sensor. And so it Water. tracks, it's using radar to track your movement. And it just tracks you as you sleep and it can track. I didn't even hear about this Nest product. No. Is it, is it also like a, a speaker? Yeah, it's the, it's their Nest Nest Hub second gen. So it's, so a, it's, it's got a, a display It's got everything? a display and everything. So it, it looks a little bit different than the original Nest Hub with the display. Uh, the audio is a little bit better, but the, the main feature attraction is exactly. the sleep sensing and honestly i love it if you want to be able to track your sleep i know a lot of people will freak out about google tracking you when you sleep um <laughs> but you know i it this is information that i've been i've been waiting for for a long time and i it it's amazing you wake up in the morning and it uh it it senses that you wake up and as you sit up out of bed it the screen changes and shows you the stats of your sleep at night Amazing. So I was just going to say, you don't have to worry about Google. There's always Facebook is always going to do it worse. <laughs> Someone's going to do you're it. You're fine. It's okay. You know, these are not the droids you're looking for. No. So if you have two people, do you need one on each side of the bed? You do. Can it yeah. track two people? It cannot. It can only track one person. I've, I've tried to set it up so that you know, when I'm traveling, I've tried to pushing it closer to the edge of the bedside table so that it might track my wife when i'm not on my side of the bed but it, it can only track about two and a half to three feet so anything beyond Got that it. so yeah you would need two uh on one each side of the bed in order to track both people but you know maybe if it's popular enough that this feature is available maybe they'll have maybe just you know a solely sensor add-on where you can put it on the other side of the bed to track person number two who knows oh interesting yeah that's just me speculating though but yeah cool. it, it's definitely something i love I literally use it for eight hours every night. So, <laughs> wow. I totally was not expecting that. That's awesome. 
All right. So for me, the last thing or whatever, the the other item is the MacBook Pro 14 and 16 M1 Pro M1 Max because I'm a Mac user and I don't have one. But after playing with the high concentration of MacBook <laughs> Pro M1 over the last couple you know, of weeks at all the events we've been to. At the uh, MediaTek Summit and at the uh, Snapdragon Summit there. I am, you know, I don't. it's overkill for my needs even because my M1 Air is fine. But it's it's incredible. It's, it's like every time I don't think Apple can do better, they just do. And they're just leaving everyone in the dust, like just obliterating the entire laptop industry in the process. And it's fascinating. And I have to give them credit for listening to their audience and bringing back MagSafe, but still allowing USB charging, having that SD card slot. I think the HDMI is overkill, but what do I know? I think it's so amazing that Apple went all in on saying, we're ditching the ports. We're ditching the ports. Everyone thing, everyone needs to go to dongles. And then they come back with this device and saying, no, we're back with the ports. And this makes me excited. Yes, it's a great product, but this makes me excited for all the Windows laptops that are within the same category because we're not going to see it at CES, but we're probably going to see it later in 2022 where everybody's going to add all the ports back to all of their laptops. (laughs) And for me, as somebody who does video, I am most excited about the SD card slot coming back to a laptop near you because it definitely is going to happen now that Apple's done it. 100%. Yeah. All right, let's jump into some news. You got it, folks. Our five top five of the year. Uh, Did not expect some of the things. I honestly did not expect some of my own choices. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, it's got to be one computer in there. It's got to be a phone in there. Those were easy. Headphones, like audio was easy too. But then I had two more items and I was just like, what? And then I thought about it. Like, what are the things that I don't have, but I've read about and every time or used a bit. Mm -hmm. And every time I do, it's delightful. You know, I could have picked a car as well, right? It, uh, like an electric car. My electric car of 2021 would be the Mustang Mac EGT, frankly. It, it exists. You can buy it, even though the dealers are gouging people for them. But it's the closest thing to my beloved Model 3, Model Y that you can get from non-Tesla with all the benefits of non-Tesla and the drawbacks of non-Tesla. But man, it's a fantastic car. Get over the fact that it's a crossover because i don't like crossovers either but man that car so good and then honorable mentions goes to t-mobile for once again obliterating the wireless industry with c-band and giving us unbelievably good 5g this year Mm -hmm. right yeah i think we've still heard the millimeter wave is coming millimeter wave is coming i honestly don't care i've i've broken the one gigabit per second on mid-band and you're never coming back a couple times already on t-mobile and it's only going to get better from there so i could care less about your millimeter wave just take it away and i can get that inside my house so so little anecdote as an aside at the qualcomm tech summit in hawaii recently there was a little meeting with T-Mobile while we had a little cocktail hour, I should say. And they had the the layer cake that they always use, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what it was missing? Millimeter wave. 
Yeah, instead they had candles. And I said, where's the, where's the millimeter wave layer? They're like, that's the candles. So I think they're revisiting their perspective as well. And when I quiz them as to, you know, when am I going to get millimeter wave? Because I have it on Verizon down the street here and it's great. But it's, you know, great as millimeter wave is great, meaning you have to be outside and it's kind of useless, but it's cool, right? Yeah. If you're a nerd, it's cool. So I asked them, they're like, I'm like, San Francisco, when? And they're like, meh, you know, like, like literally they don't seem to care. But it's fascinating because, yeah. I also met the guy who chooses the phones that go on T-Mobile. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was a fascinating conversation or two. And so you said, when are we going to see these other great phones on T-Mobile? Well, I, I did, and he said, you know, it's it's complicated, but oh, yeah. uh, he said that uh, he, uh, he's been trying, and uh, there's some exciting new things coming. And I think by that, he just meant, like, I'm, we're not going to start seeing an Oppo or Xiaomi phone. Don't, don't get too crazy here. But I think what he meant by that was, we're going to see a new OnePlus N series that is going to kick butt. Like, I am starting to believe that the N25 G, when it hits, which has been rumored now for a while, is going to be really good. Like, not, you know, nor too good, right? <laughs> no, but we can't go that good. We can't go that far. But I did suggest that to him. I said, you know, listen, last next year, bring the 10 Pro and maybe skip the 10 and give us the Nord 3. Like, it would be so T-Mobile of you to do that, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we, we have seen what happened with the 9 last year. And I was like, ha, 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 you're telling me what you're not telling me. I love you right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think the 9 was a, was a big disappointment for them as well, is my gut feeling. So there. All right. Mm-hmm. News. Speaking of Oppo, there is the... Their big, you know, Oppo Tech Day, whatever they call it. Inno Day. Inno Day, thank you. Oppo Inno Day, I think it's coming. Oppo Inno Day is coming up next week. on the 14th and 15th of December next week. And they're going to be showing all their prototypes and, and concepts and whatever like they do every year. But uh, they dropped a teaser for a new folding phone, which looks really interesting. It looks a lot like the Galaxy Z Fold 3, but smaller in form factor, a little bit smaller. And it looks like it's all screen, both sides, like both the inside and the outside, right? Yeah, it looks so it looks to be shorter and stubbier. It doesn't look yeah. quite as tall as the fold, but the outside of the phone seems to be edge to edge screen, which is something that you know, current fold users have complained about. It's not the great aspect ratios that you would get or the aspect ratios and the screen to body ratios that you would get on other devices these days. But this looks to be all screen on the outside, which means you can use it as a regular smartphone. And then you open it up and it's all screen on the inside as well. It looks fantastic. I was actually surprised that they were, they dropped this teaser because you know, we haven't seen foldable devices from them in the past or any concepts. We've seen their rollable uh, which they did do a foldable like four years ago or something as a concept. Yeah, but I, I, I yeah, I, I think it was just like here's a like non-working concept device, kind of right. like what TCL's done for what three years now. And yeah. uh, but they showed off this rollable, which was actually a real phone, and they actually it ha- handed, yeah, yeah. It, handed it out to a handful of people over over in Asia, different YouTubers, and they made videos about it. Uh, so I was really hoping we would see something like this. I wasn't expecting yeah. this at all. And I'm honestly, I'm personally not a fan of the foldable style just because 
I'm not a fan of how thick the device actually gets. Right. But this, I don't know, there's something about the look and feel of what this is that makes it seem a little bit different from the Fold 3. I think maybe it's because it's shorter, it's not as big and bulky. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the actual announcement is. But yeah, we've only seen, what, a 10 or 15 second clip on Twitter that they shared, but it does look pretty intriguing. Yeah, I'm stoked. I can't wait for this one. Having used an Oppo Find X3 Pro as my main phone for, you know, like a few months. Yeah, my favorite phone of 2021. That's not a Pixel. (laughs) 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 Because, well, the Pixel is awesome. Yeah, so uh, this looks really interesting to me. And uh, another thing that they they teased is this uh, retractable camera, which I think... I'll, maybe I'll let you do the explaining. I, I understand it, but I want the audience, the listeners, to understand what's going on here. This is all about Z depth, right? This is about providing more distance between the lens and the sensor to have a mm-hmm. bigger sensor and yet still have a really high quality lens, which is hard to do right now because the phones need to be thin. And so lens has to be expensive and complicated. And it's hard to do telephotos at short distances like 2X yeah. with a really good sensor so tell us about this retractable camera concept so if anybody remembers back to all those great point and shoot cameras that we all had in the you know late 90s early 2000s you turn your camera on and the lens shoots out from the body of of the camera right and a lot of those had you know 5 10 15x zoom so you could it could go out a really far distance but the main reason why that that lens shoots out from the body was because you do have to have a certain distance between where that lens is and where the camera sensor is based off of the size of the camera sensor so the larger the camera sensor is the larger the distance between the lens itself and the the camera sensor so that you can get a focal point and actually have something in focus and so that's why really we have camera bumps on the back of our smartphones because there's not enough space between the sensor and also the camera lens in order to get a, a focus there. And we we used to be right. able to do it because we had really tiny, tiny sensors. But as the sensors got larger and larger and larger to improve the quality of the images, they had to get the bumps larger, larger, and larger. I mean, anyone who picks up a Galaxy S21 Ultra knows how big the camera bump is on the back of that phone. It is yep. ridiculously large, but it's needed. It's not just something that they're like, oh, I'm going to put a camera bump on the back. They actually have to do it because of the physics that's involved. Yeah. So with this image that was leaked or that they shared, teased, essentially they have the same kind of mechanism that we've seen on point-and-shoot cameras for the longest time. So it has the main sensor that has a large lens on it and when it the camera is turned off it retracts into the body and essentially gives you a flat back it does look like there's a slight camera bump on the back of this phone but it's really only like the thickness of like a thin sheet of glass but then when you turn this on this protrudes looks to be like maybe a little bit more than a quarter inch which means the sensor itself is incredibly large. We could be looking at something like a one-inch sensor underneath there or something close to that, which just means you're going to get extremely good photos, incredible low-light photography, incredible video as well. Um, And honestly, like everyone's talking about 
why would we do this and put on, you know, movable parts onto a phone if just going to break? But we had these in cameras two decades ago and it worked. Like, yes, our smartphones take a little bit more abuse than what a point and shoot camera did because we didn't take it with us everywhere we went. But the technology has been around for 20 plus years. We can definitely pull this off. And we've seen other manufacturers do similar things with, you know, Oppo's done, you know, they had their flip up cameras for a couple of years. Asus has done flip up cameras as well. Uh, so movable parts inside of a smartphone shouldn't be an issue. We The mechanics to pull this off are honestly incredibly simple when compared to doing something like a foldable display. So right. why not? If this is going to be, if if we're at the limitations right now, as far as size goes, when it comes to getting better sensors inside of our smartphones, this is definitely the next step that we need to take in order to get better photography on our devices. I think it's cool. And, you know, as you said, the mechanism is no different than the pop-up camera, selfie cameras that we had for a while there with OnePlus and Oppo and Vivo and Xiaomi and everyone else. And those things are still around and still working fine. So, well, and so, so the, the, the mechanics here can be like a bunch of different ways. You could put, you know, a, a little motor inside that could, you know, motorize it, but you could also just put in a, a spring and a switch. And, yep. and you could just open it up with a switch or it could be a magnetically, you know, electronically activated switch that, that does it with, with a spring and then you have to push it back in manually. And it yep. could be as simple as that. Honestly, it doesn't have to be this super complicated thing. And because it can be so simple, it doesn't really have to add a whole lot of cost to the manufacturing either. Sure. Although the same thing could have been said about the pop-up cameras and they were all motorized. And Very from true. the video we saw of this demo, the it's even water resistant mm-hmm. and it's motorized. It's clearly motorized and probably has this cool little sound effect that goes with it like they used to do on the previous one. I yep. do miss pop-up cameras. There, there was a thing there. You they're know? fun. They're fun. I they're mean, fun. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a party trick, but you know, my phone can do this. What can yours do? And I, I don't know. It's fun and exciting. And I always look for innovation like these and devices yeah and remember folks a lot of what we've seen from oppo and vivo have become the norm under display fingerprint sensors mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff that periscope cameras periscope cameras exactly they were the first yep so you know it's not just samsung and apple so all right moto edge x30 i'm cautiously excited simply because we got the edge 20 and edge 20 pro last year well this year 2021 and we never got those in the US. We we got them in Europe, in Brazil, in Asia. And I got to play with it, by the way, the 20 Pro at MediaTek Summit. One of the British guys had it. And oh man, you touch that phone and then you touch the Edge 2021 and it's like garbage. It's like a literally completely like, different world. What? Oh my God, it's aluminum and glass. It has a telephoto lens, a proper 144 hertz OLED. Uh, with very little bezel and very little chin. Like, it's exactly what you'd expect, you know, an Edge flagship phone to be. Yet we got the stupid, crappiest thing. So this could be the same thing. We could, Verizon could say, oh, you need to make this cheaper and simpler and crappier. And then Moto would bend over and do it, in which case we'll be screwed. But I have a feeling they learned their lesson from all the negative press they got on that phone. 
And they can now have some fodder to say to Verizon, well, you know, it didn't work. It, it didn't work when we did the super top of the line for you with the Edge Plus. And it didn't work when we did kind of like a crappy mid-ranger. So maybe we should aim for just keeping what we got. So there are two versions of this X3. Do you want to go through that? Yeah, so the basic specs, it's a 6.7-inch uh, Full HD Plus OLED panel, which is going to be nice. It doesn't look like it's a curved display around the edges. I think it's just a flat panel, which I I definitely like. But then it's running the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. So this is, this is the very first official device that's been announced with this chipset. And honestly, for me, this is the most exciting thing. Motorola for the last, I don't know, five years, has been a follower since since it eliminated its droid phones that were on Verizon. Right. Um, they haven't had anything that's been leading the pack. And this is the first time Motorola's leading the pack with a flagship chipset right out of the gate, literally a week after the chipset was announced by Qualcomm, which is kind of nice. And they beat Xiaomi to the game, which is surprising. That's incredible. It's like Xiaomi is usually the very first one. I, I think last year they were the first one uh, with the Xiaomi Mi, Mi 11. 11. Right out yep. the door. Uh, but yeah, this is this is incredible. So you get 8 or 12 gigabytes of RAM. So they're, they're giving you that super high-end device if you want it, uh, up to 100 or 256 gigs of RAM. And then they have a 60 megapixel under display selfie camera, which I honestly wasn't expecting from this device. I, I'm, <laughs> right. I still don't know what how I feel about under display cameras. I've used a couple of them and they Me have too. not been good. No. And coming from the Pixel 6 where the selfie camera is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm like, right. you first off, you don't need a 60 megapixel sensor. Give me a lower resolution sensor that has larger pixels because you definitely need it when the sensor on the selfie camera is usually a lot smaller than the ones on the back anyways. But then you're going to put pixels in front of it and you're going to turn them off dynamically when you're taking a photo and it's looking through a layer of pixels in addition to the sensors and the glass. Like this, I, I'm just going to be disappointed with selfie camera. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, and then rear cameras, 250 megapixel cameras with uh, ultra wide and a main sensor. And then, of course, a two megapixel depth sensor. So, eh. But then a 5,000 milliamp hour battery with mm. 68 watt fast charging, which is the fastest charging Motorola device ever. So far, yeah. Which, and they're, they're saying uh, zero to 50% in like 13 to 14 minutes which is going to be nice. I mean, ho hopefully Google will take notice of this and say, hey, <laughs> oh remember the, that, you know, 22 watt charging we have on our devices? We can actually <laughs> go to like 60. Yeah. But then I don't know. America doesn't seem to be ready for fast charging. Like Samsung's not delivering it. Apple's not delivering it. Moto's not delivered. Well, Moto doesn't count. Pixel's not delivering it. And, you know, you have to go to like OnePlus or some crazy imported Chinese phone to get. Or like the 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 Xiaomi 11T Pro that I reviewed recently for Geekspin, 120 watt charging, yes. 17 minutes from zero to full. I was in the shower for 10 minutes. I plugged it in at like 10% and it was like a 90% when I came out of the shower. It was ridiculous. That's all you need, right? Yeah, and it wasn't even that hot, which was incredible. Anyway, I'm, I'm excited about this because I know there's going to be a pro version 
where that two uh, megapixel stupid depth sensor sticker cam is going to be replaced with a telephoto like the Pro last year, mm-hmm. the 20 Pro. So, but there's two versions of this phone. There's one with the under display camera and the, for the selfies and one without. So different pricing, slightly different design. Yep. So I think they're kind of doing, remember, these are Chinese at this point, Chinese only, China only phones. So even the global versions might be different. So don't get too excited about the under display. I wouldn't because the quality is not there yet. I'd rather take a punch hole or whatever. But I think the the good point about these, though, like we had last year's Edge that was extremely expensive, especially for a Motorola device. But based off of Chinese pricing, these are yeah. these are coming in ranging from uh, about five hundred dollars on the low end for the cheapest version, going up to uh, six hundred and twenty-five dollars or so for the, the, the spec'd out version. Not not the one with the zoom camera, but the you know with twelve gigs of RAM and two fifty-six gigs of storage. Which, for being a first device with a Snapdragon eight Gen one, I that makes me hopeful that we're going to see even more competitive pricing going into 2022 with flagship tier devices. I mean, we look back to two years ago as to how expensive all those devices were with the Snapdragon, what was it, 870. And, you know, the cheapest Samsung device was, you know, $900, which was incredibly expensive. And now, you know, two years later, we're looking at phones that are $200 cheaper. This looks yeah. like we might actually see an even further price drop from that. As I, I think it's, is it the 5G that's making it cheaper now that it's completely integrated into the chipset? I, what's your take on that? I think Qualcomm's learned a lesson. You know, they've got more competition now with MediaTek going Dimensity 9000. And in China, that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so... And also China is always cheaper because a lot of yes, them, they have all these subs- subsidized services and things. Um, but I have a lot of hope for that. I really look, I really want Moto to come to the US and sell us a Moto Edge X30 Pro or X30 that is exactly like that. And maybe not under display camera, but give us, give us those specs, give us something that works with 5G band, sell it unlocked, and then have an agreement with all three carriers for it. Like don't don't do this Verizon exclusive stuff anymore. Yeah, I think I think they need to realize that the days of the Droid are are done, and their their exclusive deals with Verizon are just hurting them at this point. Yeah, because they need to be playing in with the big leagues as 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 much as they are doing really great with the G series, you know. And so, and even the G series, I feel that they're kind of sitting on their laurels. Like they're plasticky now. They're they're no longer trying as hard. I feel they're you know they tell me they're prioritizing different things like battery life and user experience. But honestly, you need good hardware for that to happen. And you know, sometimes it's nice to have a slightly better build quality and fit and finish, like a glass back instead of a plastic back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's nice to have a better camera system with actually like has the mechanical bits you need, like OIS or whatever. Yeah, sure, the software and the user experience is important. And I have to say, Moto does a really good job with their kind of very generic Android that they give us in the US, which by the way, they don't get in China. They have a skinned version there. Yes, they do. Also, let's point out, this is the first phone besides the Pixel to ship with Android 12. Correct. Which is... So that's a big deal. I mean, Motorola has never been one to... I mean, back in the day when they were pretty much completely stock Android, they were pushing updates really quick, but they weren't out of the gate uh, releasing devices with the next version of Android 
So this is exciting to see. Uh, I mean, granted, it is December and Android 12 has been out for a couple months now. And this phone isn't (laughs) technically shipping yet. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things there, but uh, props to them for actually doing it. Because a lot of times we don't see that until, you know, the very end of December or, you know, CES starting in the beginning of the year. And a lot of times we see phones at CES that are still shipping with the previous version of Android. 100%. Um, yeah, so let's keep an eye on things. Do you think the Oppo Find N folding phone we just mentioned earlier will have a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 as well? Because there was some speculation that Oppo might be one of the first ones as well. Well, I mean, they, they announced that they're going to be using it like all the other OEMs did. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, they with a lot of these foldable devices, they're, you know, I don't want to call them prototypes, but they've been in the works for a long time. So it might have been started a lot sooner than when the uh, 8 Gen 1 was released or, you know, being ready for production. It's hard to say. I wouldn't put it past them as, you know, wanting to make it stand out for sure. Uh, But then, you know, it is a China-only device, most likely, because, I mean, Oppo's been pushing these concepts for the longest time, but we never see them internationally. They never come internationally. True, but you never know. They might go global on with this one. They could. Like, not U.S. capable, I mean, but if, global. if they really want to take on Samsung for that foldable market, I mean, they, they would have to, right? Like, the Sam, yeah. Samsung is the number one player in the global market right now with the foldable, with, with mainly the flip, though, right? It's The flip is the one Indeed, that's selling the most. Indeed, it's mostly the flip. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I I don't know. They if, if they have a unique user experience with that that really needs that Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, I totally see them using it but you know we we could find out that they're using some other chipset they might be a mid-range chipset for all we know in order to keep the price down yeah we will find out on the 15th basically at this point uh yeah so a couple of more items uh pixel watch rumors intensify Mm -hmm. (laughs) again again for for the upteenth what's your take we're seeing basically some marketing slides leaking that might be more than just renders but it matches the renders that were leaked like a few months back. So, yeah. So if if you've seen any of the Pixel news, or Pixel Watch news for the last what eight months or so, <laughs> nothing's really for the last eight years. Nothing's really <laughs> changed as far as the design goes. Like we're still seeing this sleek edge to edge circular watch face on this smart smartwatch with custom bands uh, for this. So it's, you're not going to have regular interchangeable bands. But uh, one of the things that gets me over and over again is that I have to tell my brother, no, the Pixel Watch is not coming out yet. I I told him maybe it's coming out with the Pixel phones and then it didn't. So I have to tell him again, no, you got to wait some more. And so he he messaged me this week. He's like, is there any update on when that watch is coming out? Because he doesn't keep up with all the tech news. So I I send them an article that we've written about him like, no, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer, but it's coming. I promise. But for me, like everyone's excited about this edge to edge circular uh, display on this smartwatch. We had this like six years ago from Motorola with their fir- yeah, with their three hundred and sixty with their very first smartwatch. Everyone forgets that we had an edge to edge circular display. It had a, a flat tire, Nick. It it did have a flat tire, but who like it looked incredible. I anyone I know it looked it, great. Like the 
I, I know we've come a long ways. I'm honestly really disappointed with all the smartwatches on the market because we still have bezels and there's no reason for it. They simply don't want to pay the extra couple dollars it takes in order to manufacture something a little bit with those larger uh, displays that don't have the bezels around them. I mean, they're... <sighs> They're just being greedy at this point, and I think their watches will would sell so much better if somebody saw it in the store and it was an edge-to-edge display. And so I think Google's going to have a hit on their hands. I mean, everyone who's bought an Android watch and has been wanting an Android Wear or a Wear OS watch for years now from Google is going to pick it up day one. But I think a lot of people that have been waiting on the sidelines and not really being interested in smartwatches because they look just a little bit funky, they're going to be excited about this. 100%. Speaking of, I want to pimp my new smartwatch, the Huawei, yes, they still exist, watch <laughs> GT3, which is fantastic. So the GT series, the GT1 was, yeah, the GT2, and particularly the 2 Pro, which was ceramic and titanium, which I have. I like the GT2 Pro. The GT2 Pro was incredible, and this is just as incredible. It's not titanium and ceramic, though, but it's very high quality stainless steel. I've been beating the crap out of it for two weeks now, and I don't have a single scratch or mark on the glass or the or the, even the polished part of the stainless steel. What's improved is that there is now a crown, like on the Apple Watch, so you can scroll with it, and it has that nice uh, vibe, feel, haptic thing to it. Uh, what's also nice is that it's a bigger display, more less edge, less bezel, not quite as bezel-less as what the Pixel looks like, but less bezel than the previous one. And the display is brighter and seems more efficient. I think it's LTPO. Is that the technology? LTPO for the dynamic refresh rate? Yeah, yeah. It's an LTPO. And so they can they refresh it very little when you're in all, always on display mode, which is great, right? Because the battery life just climbs. Speaking of, I'm getting about a week to 10 days with the always on display and with sleep tracking at night, which is, as you know, this is essentially a fitness band from Huawei on steroids, right? In terms mm-hmm. of operating system and guts has nfc which doesn't work for us because it, you know need to have wechat pay you know what i'm saying but at the same time it has it doesn't have wi-fi but it has everything else and it does it very very well it's the software is not really polished and the big thing i noticed the big difference versus my one and a half year old gt2 pro is it's much faster. Like the the UI response is just incredibly sleek and sleek. It's like Apple Watch levels of performance, which is really impressive. So there you go. I wanted to show it to you because I haven't really done an unboxing video yet. Like I have one, but I need to edit it. And I just want to tell you folks that if you can live without apps on your smartwatch and don't need Wi-Fi or 4G or whatever, mm-hmm. You know, you just want to remote control your music, you want your notifications, you want really good tracking of your health and biometrics because this does temperature now in addition to heart rate and oxygen real time all day long and automatic sleep and nap sensing, all of that built in. Look at what Huawei and Xiaomi and those Chinese companies I'm doing with their tiny little bands that are like as cheap as $29, some of them. And if you want something that's a little better, better, has a better display, longer battery life, those watches that are essentially fitness bands on steroids are really a good option. Yeah, I, I, I think it's something that if the main thing you're looking for is step counting, fitness tracking, my only drawback is for people who do fitness tracking and like serious runners, they want dedicated apps for that, that, yes. that and you, you don't, get, don't that. get that. And 
Huawei is saying this is running Harmony OS, right? Yeah, but it's their, they've renamed everything Harmony OS. So, I mean, technically their Harmony OS should be a version of Android, but this is actually, but it's not. this is actually an RTOS, just like Correct. all the Amazfit and the OnePlus and all yeah. that. And that's why it can get 10 days of battery life on a single charge. And you can get two weeks if you turn off the always on display, yeah. just so you know. So uh, the last piece we have, I thought was kind of cool. It, it kind of made me smile. And it's the MagSafe cooler fan, you know, RGB accessory from Razer. Mm-hmm. So, so what a brilliant idea to use MagSafe to make a, a fan that you just magnetically clump onto your iPhone that keeps it cool when you're playing games, also has cool, funky blinking lights that you can program that RGB and then make a slightly different version that clips onto an Android phone if you don't have an iPhone. I, I thought it was cool. I don't know how much it costs. What's the deal? Uh, I, I think it's $60, which honestly, honestly bad. isn't bad when you're considering, hey, you got to... Well, a product from Razer, that's $60 because usually, (laughs) like if anybody else was making this, this would be 25 bucks. But yeah, it's a fan that clips onto the back of your phone using MagSafe. I mean, if you are on an Android device, it doesn't, there there is an option for you, but a lot of people have been modifying their devices and putting MagSafe magnets on the back of their Android devices so that their devices can be compatible with MagSafe products. So if you have one of those, you can get the iPhone version and just stick it onto the back of the phone and it'll connect magnetically. I'm actually surprised that they didn't take this one step further and power it wirelessly from the wireless charging on the back of the device, which honestly would just heat up the device even more. (laughs) And then you're just cooling it down from that. They could totally do it. Uh, So I'm waiting for Gen 2 that's wirelessly powered. Because this one here, you actually have to plug it in uh, through a USB-C and have it plugged in all the time. Um, I'm not sure how viable of a product it actually is and how much you actually need it because... The iPhone is more powerful than any other Android device uh, in comparison to how many you know pixels it can push when you're gaming. And yeah. I, I think more Android devices would need this than iPhone devices. The iPhone. I was going to say every Snapdragon 888 almost ever make. <laughs> the 888, but also the 870. I mean, yeah, sure. That, I mean, that one needs it even more than the 888 does. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's cool. There are other products on the market that are like this, but the fact that a major brand like Razer is getting yeah, into Razor. it with an accessory like this, uh, and of course with the RGB on the back, you you, you can't have anything with R, without RGB from Razer. I know it's kind of cool. You got the Chroma stuff. You get use the Chroma app and everything. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's not so much a wireless accessory. I think it should have a battery in it. Oh yeah, and and the other way around. So you charge it separately from your phone, right? And it has a battery in oh, it and that, that powers the And then the it fan. charges the phone. And then it charges wirelessly uh, I, the phone. I see what you're getting at. Yeah. See? You see what I'm doing there? Yeah. You, you flipped it on me. I was like, screw I that. It on you. Suck the battery out of the phone to charge the fan. Nope, because you're gaming right now. You need more juice. Uh, All right. I think that's a wrap. Uh, Nick, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet? You can find me personally on the internet uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Nick M. Gray, or else you can find our coverage of all things Android, smart home, and other things as well on fandroid.com, or check out my YouTube videos as well, youtube.com slash fandroid.
Yes, folks. And I always link all the things we talk about in the show notes. If you go in your podcast app, you'll find our show notes and you'll find links to everything. And folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, both on Instagram and Twitter. That's like Tankerl, the comic book character. Drop the vowels. I did it before Flickr. Screw you. Right. And so basically, if you want to talk with Nick and I about this podcast, hit us up on Twitter. If you want to see pretty pictures of phones, pretty pictures taken with phones, pretty pictures of cars taken with phones, etc. Go to my Instagram. There's a couple of YouTube channels you should subscribe to youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast with unboxing videos and content directly related to the podcast, like mobile stuff, audio accessories, that kind of thing. And please subscribe to that, like the videos, tell your friends, click the notification bell. You know how YouTube works. And then the other channel is youtube.com slash mobile tech more. That's all the smart home, travel tech, car tech, anything that's not directly phone related, but lives in the ecosystem. And again, you know how to use YouTube. So please subscribe. We can use your help, like the videos, click the notification bell, comment, comment on these videos. Let me know what you think. And then the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com and there is an RSS feed there, but you probably just want to use your favorite podcasting app. So we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. And if your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. It helps people discover the show. Finally, I want to let you know about Patreon. I mentioned it earlier, patreon.com slash tankgirl, aka patreon.com slash tnkgrl. There is a video feed, a video version of this podcast, which has less edits because I do a quick and dirty on it and is posted a day or two before the audio version. If you want to support me, go check it out. It's one of the tiers on Patreon. There's also a Discord server you should check out. And so if you want to chat with me, you can do that there. And that's another tier. And it's just very basic. You just help me out and I give you some extra content and everybody's happy. So check out patreon.com slash dankgirl. That's patreon.com slash tnkgrl. I want to thank all my patrons. And this week, I want to thank Dieter F. Like, you know, maybe you watched Saturday Night Live back in the day. You know what Dieter is about. But uh, thanks, Dieter. You must be in Germany, I presume, for joining the Patreon. And finally, if you don't like Patreon, there's another option. There is a PayPal link in the show notes. You can click on it and make a donation so I can buy a coffee. Um, since I'm an addict, it'll work really well. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, folks. Uh, I want to thank Audible, of course, our sponsor, longtime sponsor. Audible.com is pretty great. They have a great selection of books. If you like books like me, like I like to read a lot, but I don't have time to read or I'm tired. I'm sitting at a computer all day writing. My eyes are tired. I'd rather listen. And they have tons of books. They have a lot of books read by the author. They have some shorter content, some podcasts, some all kinds of stuff. If you want books or something that read to you, Audible's got you covered. And we love them for it because they love us. So if you want to help everyone out here, help Audible out, help me out, help the podcast out. AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. That's AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech. You get a 30-day free trial and you get to keep a book at the end if you don't want to stay. Hopefully you'll stay because I think you'll love it. So yeah, check it out, Audible. I want to thank them again for being our longtime sponsor. And Nick, thanks again for being on the show. My pleasure as always. Yes, we will have you on the show again at some point in the future. And folks, we will have a show next week, so stay tuned for that. 
Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.